right, we're going to go ahead and we'll start with a word of prayer and then we'll um, you know, kick off what we're going to do uh, today. So, dear Heavenly Father, we just uh, we thank you for this church. Uh, we thank you for the people that are here to listen to this extra class where we cover a topic that is uh, live and uh, well and just going rampant out in our culture today with the this, this CRT. We just uh, pray for wisdom for all of us as we go through this um, topic. There is discernment and your will in all of it. Uh, ultimately, you do have control over us and over this topic and over how it's taught. Um, we just uh, uh, thank you for that uh, provision in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, uh, CRT, or critical race theory, I'm excited to talk about this this week, just well, for a couple of reasons. One of them is, uh, out of the three weeks we've done this, this is the first week we've remembered to pass the handouts out before we started. So, <laughs> making some progress. Um, yeah, but it's also, because it is such a pertinent topic, um, so, so critical race theory, uh, has anybody not heard of CRT or critical race theory? Has everybody heard of it? Everybody, so you're just completely confused the question. So do you not really heard of it? So, does anybody uh, has heard of it but don't really understand it? <laughs> so that's us too. Um, but uh, so I'm gonna I want to just give a quick little introduction of it and a little story, um, then we'll kind of get into it. But um, critical race theory, just in a nutshell, and Jeff will get into more of the history of it a little bit. But um, it's basically trying to divide people up into groups, right, based on what group you're part of or what your ethnic background is and different things like that. That's, that's just a really brief thing. But but the, but one of the things about it is uh, because it does that, it can be um, frustrating to talk about sometimes, right? So as we kind of get into this. I'll speak from my perspective, and Jeff has warned me many times because as we kind of talk through this, we prepare this kind of this uh, this uh, class. Um, I get frustrated with it because if there's in apologetics, you base some of it on logic, right? You, the engineer in me wants to go, okay, we go back to this foundation, and now we can build off of that foundation. And in CRT, the, the, the logic is kind of thrown out the window, right? So they, the logic will be over here, and then it'll be over here, and then it'll be over here, and then it'll be over here. And at first, I always want to flip a table and go ballistic, right? So I'm going to try not to do that um, <laughs> today, but... Uh, but we'll do it. And actually, Brent's sermon was fantastic because that's what I but Habakkuk was uh, kind of doing the same thing, right? He was just kind of, God, what's going on? Right? And uh, God's answer was, trust me, right? So that's why I got to remember, trust me, um, and that God's got everything under control. But um, so, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, I'll kind of tell a quick little story. Last, uh, I think it was March or April, we were down in Florida. And um, when they talk about CRT separating people into groups, we were at the pool one day, and uh, Rose had met some friends, and they were all playing, doing something, and I was kind of sitting there reading, and I noticed in the little kiddie pool, you know, you got the, they got this pool that's about, you know, eight inches deep, and the little kids will run, run around in it. There was a little black girl and a little white girl, and they were playing together. They probably were two years old. It was the cutest little thing. They're just in their little diapers. They're jumping in, and then one would help the other one out of this, you know, this eight-inch pool, hold their hand, hold it up, and then the other one would help the next one next time. And I, I started. The book I was reading was actually had to do with this topic, and I started thinking about it, and it got, I just started to frustrate me because I thought. When, when kids, even though we're not innocent, completely innocent when we're born, we're born into sin, but when kids are little, they don't see groups. They don't see color. They don't see any of that stuff. They just see another, hey, this kid's going to play with me, right? And then as they get older, we teach them to separate into groups and to think and to, to discriminate based on groups or to think differently based on groups. And it, that's why I think it can be frustrating sometimes as we kind of, kind of get into this topic. But um, like I said, we'll... Uh, uh, well, I'll try to maintain, Jeff's very composed, I'll try to maintain my composure with this stuff. So, But it is, uh, it is it's very important to understand this, this information because as Jeff mentioned in the prayer, it's rampant out there and it's becoming very prominent, um, taught in our schools and, uh, and, and basically taught us facts. So we'll get into it. Yeah, so I just want to reiterate one thing that Terry said. We'll get into some of these things and at least in, when I first started looking at it, I'm like, this is almost nonsensical. Like it doesn't, make any sense and it can lead to some frustration some anger that is not our goal here today <laughs> i just want to make that very clear we are not looking to make anybody angry we are not looking to frustrate anybody we are looking just to bring light to the topic and really understand what the bible has to say on it because when we start looking at crt and we start looking at what the bible has to say and we're going to go through the three very specific things on how they contradict that they're not they, they don't there's no alignment between the two of them 
they're completely separate, almost completely other-ended ideas, one from the other. So I go with not to make anyone frustrated, but really to bring clarity to the light to say, you know what, there is a biblical stance to CRT, and that's really our goal here today. We're going to do our best to stay out of the politics of this, because <laughs> this, <laughs> out of today's culture, this is an extremely political topic. So we're going to try to stay out of the political side and really focus on what CRT is, what it is teaching, and then what is the biblical perspective on CRT. So I just want to make that clear from the beginning. If we're not trying to talk left or right, Democrat or Republican, I'll probably want to set all of that aside for today and talk about what it is, what it's teaching, and what the Bible specifically has to say or how does the Bible address um, CRT. But so let's go ahead and uh, get started a little bit. So a little bit of background on CRT. So what CRT is, and then we'll get into the history. Uh, critical race theory, if you, from a CRT theorist standpoint, from someone who would teach CRT as, as truth, would tell you that it's really not teaching racism or sexism or any of the other isms that go along with it. It's only teaching a framework that allows us to be able to analyze and identify racism. It's not actually teaching racism, but it's just a tool. It's just an analytical tool, is all it is. That's what they're going to tell you, and that's why you'll see a lot of uh, you know, prominent institutions out there. Coca-Cola is adopting it. Southern Baptist Convention just adopted CRT as a framework to be able to analyze race theory. And so you'll see um, a, a lot of this out there, all these institutions, but they're, they're coming from and saying, well, it's just, it's just a tool. But the problem in the process of teaching just the tool that actually also teaches racism, sexism, all of those isms along with it. And it does it through a couple of categories. Either you are an oppressor or you're the oppressed. And how that is defined is a lot of times based upon the color of your skin or the sex you are or what you identify as from a sexuality standpoint or even disability can be thrown into that as well. But you're either in that oppressed group or you're the oppressor. That's basic CRT. You're in one of those two groups. And as we go forward, we'll talk about something called intersectionality and the various layers of that. Um, but where does CRT come from? So, as Terry and I were talking about it, it really only seems, it was only just a couple of years ago that this really started to get kind of mainstream, right? That people really started to hear about it. And as we'll talk about here in a second, that's just not the case. It actually has its roots back way into Marxism. So when we start talking about Marxism, here in the United States, Marxism has kind of gone to the wayside from a classical, when we say classical Marxism, we mean economic Marxism, which basically tried to make a classless society based upon economics. So the owners who made all of the money in these companies and the workers who got paid a small wage, the idea was to balance that out and make everyone equal, completely classless society. That's what classical Marxism is. It's completely failed here in the United States and in Western culture. It just really doesn't even exist anymore. It's hardly ever talked about. It's, it's, it's a complete lemon. It just doesn't. It's, it's non-existent anymore. But what they have done is it has shifted. So rather than talking about it from an economic standpoint, it shifts into more of a social structure. So it wants to eliminate all oppressors. Just in general, it's why you see racism and sexism and all of these different things being tied in to CRT is they're now changing it. So rather than having this um, utopia where everyone is equal from an economic standpoint, you want this utopia of everyone being equal from a social standpoint. And we're actually going to get talk talk in just a second about a couple of terms that they change in here to talk about this. Um, on it. So as we continue down uh, a little bit of history here. Critical theory, um, and there's lots of these different versions of critical theory. There's critical legal theory, there's critical race theory, there's all these different versions of critical theory. But it actually all stems out of the Frankfurt School. Has anyone heard of the Frankfurt School? It was built in Germany in the early 1900s. As a matter of fact, critical race theory was founded in somewhere right around the 1930s and 1940s um, by Herbert uh, Mukuza. Anyone heard of Mukuza? I mean, this will probably go all the way back to maybe ninth or 10th grade, <laughs> social studies and history, right? <clears throat> but out of this Frankfurt School, Frankfurt School taught a lot of these types of Marxist-type theology. But that was back in 1930s, 1940s. So <clears throat> critical race theory, while it's just starting to get into prominence in today's culture, really has its roots all the way back to the 1930s. This isn't new. 
remember he got big in the 1990s in law school and critical law theory where Harvard and for various other law students or law schools started actually teaching this as well. So there's actually a lot of history behind this, and we just gave it, honestly, a 30,000 uh, foot view um, on that. So there's actually really history. If you ever want to just look into the history of this, there's some really, really cool stuff on it. Awesome. So I'm going to go through a couple terms um, <coughs> that critical race theory employs. Um, one of them is equity versus equality, or equality versus equity. Um, and so this, those sound like they're equal terms, um, but they're, they're, they mean something different, right? So, and this is part of the problem. So because uh, critical race theory is dividing into groups, and those groups are usually based on your gender, your sexual orientation, your color, your skin, right, different things like that. Um, <clears throat> what, what critical race theory is it wants to guarantee equity of outcome, right, which is different than equality of opportunity, right? So they kind of take that and flip it. So you'll hear a lot of things about, hey, we're just trying to promote equity. We're just trying to promote equity, which sounds really nice, doesn't it? Sounds like it's a good thing. But if you think about equity of outcome, um, that is a physical, it's really a, a reality that's impossible to achieve, right? So, um, in fact, I don't know if anybody's paying attention to the Olympics um, this year, but um, if, we ha if we truly did have equity of outcome, we wouldn't have the Olympics, right? Because you couldn't, you couldn't have somebody achieving something more than someone else. That's the concept, that's it taken to a logical extreme, right? Um, so, but like our uh, uh, founding documents say, all men are created equal, which is true, Right? We are created equal with equal opportunity, right? So that's why we have all these laws in place against um, discriminating against somebody for an opportunity, whether it's a job or something like that. But the, the CRT wants to take it and flip it to the other side and say, once we're done, all right, how many people are creating this level of success, right? And then, as Jeff just pointed out, if you take that back to the Karl Marx classical Marxism, that's what the economic equity was, right? Now we just want to do it with equity with all the social groups, okay? So that's equity versus equality. You'll hear that a lot. And then one of the logical fallacies uh, the ring was that we're bringing modern context into an, uh, into an old context, like race and racism, right? Um, this is a good example of this, because we think of this, we hear racism, we hear race, and that's a very, that's a, that's a construct that, if you go back to even biblical times, um, it really didn't exist back then, right? So there was the concept of ethnic groups, right? But there was really only one race, right? If you read the Bible, there's one race, it's called the human race. Right, and this this whole concept of racism. In fact, it's kind of funny when you think about it. You don't go if you're if you're like a dog lover and you're out looking for a dog. You're like, oh, I'm not going to get one of those uh, brown dogs because I just don't like brown colored uh, hair on dogs. Right? It's kind of silly, really, when you think about it. Right? We only apply it to the human race when we we do that. So it's a, it's a, all right. Calm down. I'm not going to flip a table. All right. <laughs> but there's only one race, right? So. Um, and a great example of this is in Luke chapter 4, there's the, the Samaritan woman at the well, right? And uh, this is an example of how we take a concept from back then and we try to apply it today and we think that the, that the Samaritans were a different race than the, than the, the Jews at the time. They were, uh, and they, they were a different, different ethnicity, but they probably looked very similar, right? Just skin tone and that kind of stuff, they probably looked very similar. But in that passage, if you, if you read that passage, you notice Jesus actually sensed that it was really early in the apostles uh, following Jesus and trying to figure out what this thing was all about. They still thought we were overthrowing the Roman government. I guess they thought that the whole time. But um, but Jesus actually sends them all for food, right? Hey, go gather up some food order. And he actually talks to the, the woman at the well all by himself. because, And this is just people, the scholars just theorized this, that um, there would have been some some angst because of the different ethnic background there, right? Because they came from a different area of the country and they had different religious beliefs, right? So that's a that's a kind of a uh, an example of that ethnicity that we kind of pull into, and now we just call it race, right? We just oh, the color of your skin, that's how I'm going to treat you differently. So those are a couple of different terms or different things you'll you'll find um, at, in the uh, CRT uh, teachings. So what you're saying is it really wasn't a race thing, it was a religion thing. Yeah, yeah, the right. ethnic or the religious, yeah, right? Because the Samaritans were a little bit different from a religious um, a standpoint, where their enemies were really kind of a religious standpoint. <clears throat> All right, let's talk about the core tenets of CRT. And so I'm going to put the same disclaimer on that we put last week. We're going to try to go through these relatively fast. <clears throat> There's a lot of information, and we could take an entire day to talk about each one of these points. <laughs> There's so much information on them, and as Terry did, they also change. So we could teach on one thing, and the next week we'll come back and teach on the exact same thing with an entirely different set of viewpoints. But uh, that's how CRT works. It could completely change the goalposts. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> so we're going to go through these. 
We're only going to put five points up on here. We're going to talk about several points on that. We didn't do what we did last week in your handout, which is put all of our bullet points in, because that was really distracting for me and Terry, <laughs> trying to hit every single one of those points. So just take your notes on this, on your sheet. We give you a little extra space to be able to do that um, on here. But CRT, one of, the, one of the first things that we talk about when we talk about what does it teach us, racism is normal and it's everywhere. It's in our society, it's kind of, it's built in, we may not even really always see it, it is always there. It's in our supermarkets, in the way we design them, it's in our educational systems, it's all over the place. Our city planning is another one, the way that they talk about this idea of racism has been built into all of those types of things. It's everywhere, even if we don't always see it, it's just everywhere. An example of this is actually what they're trying to do to rewrite some of American history, which is in the 1619 Project. Has anyone heard of the 1619 Project? <laughs> I love your facial expression when you say that. Um, but it's basically trying to rewrite how the American founding was uh, was formed. Instead of being 1776 with the Declaration of Independence, all that type of thing, they wanted to shift it to 1619 because that's the that's the day or the year that slaves first came into the United States and started to be used. And which is I mean a little bit frustrating because we have all of this wonderful history and now we're just trying to change it. But if they can't define everything as racist, their theory doesn't work. At the, at the end of the day. So they, they, they just define everything as everything is racist. There is an oppressor in everything. Therefore, there has to be an oppressor. And if we define it now by the oppressed group, we can start to change the narrative. And we'll get into a, a little bit of that whole narrative uh, concept here um, in, in just a moment. All right, so uh, another thing up there we have is convergence theory. Right. So, And this is a, a, an interesting topic. So. Uh, or an interesting term of what, what it actually means. So basically what it means is that oppressors are not capable of righteous actions based on race or sexuality or whatever group you're in unless it is beneficial to them. So the convergence theory term actually comes from that you're trying to take somebody, you're an oppressor, you're trying to take somebody that's oppressed, and you're trying to converge what you think they need with your benefit, right? You're trying to bring those two things together. Um, and so the concept is that you can't, as an oppressor, you can't do something to benefit so or to help someone else without it also benefiting you. So therefore, there's a selfish motive here that your action is deemed as as not not pure, right? Um, and so an example of the way this is uh, this is kind of taught or twisted in history is in 1954 you had the uh, Brown versus uh, Board of Education and the Supreme Court case. I don't know if anybody's familiar with that or studied that, but it basically said it made it unconstitutional to segregate racial children uh, in schools, right? So you can't do that anymore. And so because the uh, Supreme Court at the time was made up of only white members, right, the, 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 what is taught is that it was only done to benefit the, 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 the further economic growth of the country, right, because we needed more factory workers, we needed more people in production, we needed more, and it was after the world wars, and we were trying to ramp up the economy. So that, that Board of Education, that, that Supreme Court decision, was done to benefit the oppressors. Uh, because it would benefit the economy and, and, and get the country moving faster, right? So that's kind of the, the, the teaching of the convergence theory, right? Um, and the other uh, aspect of it is that oppressors are not, as an oppressor, if you're in a, an oppressor group, not only are you a racist, you're also incurably racist. There's nothing you can do about it, right? Um, and that's all I'm going to say about that before, because I don't get really mad if I talk about it. So we'll actually touch on that later on. Yes, yes. Talk about the how the Bible yes. and, uh, and CRT. Yeah, it is. It is that one is actually a really scary one. Um, so let's move on as soon as there we go. Knowledge is socially constructed. This is a one that's also a little bit scary because here's where we start going back to narrative or story form. Because <clears throat> one of one of the main things when you start looking at CRT is they try to change definitions of words and they try to change what truth is and we'll talk about objective truth here in just a second but what they've done is they instead of saying that things are built upon logic and science and reasoning we need to change it so it's done in story form or narrative <clears throat> so basically it changes truth from being just objective truth something you can ground something in to being completely subjective truth based upon the story of of, of someone who is oppressed on here. And so it changes it from that objective truth where we can stand something on a biblical foundation, where it can make sense, we can all agree upon it, to changing it to the story format where if you don't fall into one of the oppressed groups, you really don't have a say. 
at all. Right? Even the fact that Terry and I are up here talking about critical race theory, a critical race theorist would say, we can't even start because we are not in an oppressed group. So therefore, our say in this matter is really non-existent because the only way we can define truth is by a person who is marginalized. And the more marginalized that you are, the more perceived truth you actually have. So the more categories you fall into of the oppressed groups, the more the more voice you should have within it. So it changes that rather than going back to the, the, the objective truth, it changes it. So knowledge is shared through story format. That's why you see a lot of CRT theorists and they're writing so many books because they're trying to say that that's how you determine truth is by the stories of which other people have been oppressed. Awesome, yeah, so on the next point, as Jeff pulls it up here, is the challenge, it challenges the cultural foundations of a democratic society. So this is basically getting at the institution level and it's saying that everything we use now is because of uh, racism has built it up to the point where now it's going to benefit the oppressors, right? So whether it's legal reasoning, equality theory, constitutional law, all those different things, we need to basically root those all out, get rid of them all, kind of rebuild the whole thing because it's all based on a systematic or systemic uh, racist philosophy, right? Um, and just like Jeff was talking about, it's like as soon as you do that, as soon as you say you can't use logical thinking to analyze this topic, well, now you, you've you've completely frustrated the conversation because now where do you start, right? Um, if if I said if I had made the statement, uh, the only thing we need to uh, discover truth is subjective truth. Well, it, that I could just say, well, but someone could just say, well, I don't think that that truth is for me, right? So it completely there's no foundation for it, so there's nowhere to start, and it's it's so it's a way to it's a and we'll talk I'll talk about this in a minute, but it's a way to really shift the sand so that you don't have as an oppressor. Um, if you're only defined by what group you're in, if you're in an oppressor group, now all of a sudden they take all the power away from you because you don't have an idea, you don't have a concept, you don't have logic, you don't have any kind of place to come at with your opinion and, and have a discussion. Yeah, science, logic, and reason were built by the, the oppressed or the oppressors. Mm -hmm. Those are those are tools used by the oppressors to continue to oppress the or continue to oppress the oppressed groups. Logic, science, and reason. I mean, so this is what makes it so challenging. Is because they basically can then say, well, you're using logic and you don't follow all those, therefore you don't even have a starting point at the table to talk about this. You have no truth because you've never been through it. It's, it's, and that's what makes it challenging to defend. Intersectionality, this is a big one that's talked about um, a lot as you start getting into the whole critical race theory is the more groups you are a part of, the more oppressed you are, therefore the more voice that you have. The louder you get to the more truth that you can have, the, the louder your voice should rise to the top. And when, so with CRT, there's, it's really defined as several race is a big one, right? That's how they help define this intersectionality. Sexuality is a big one. Um, gender is a big one. Disability is another one that they talk about. So there's all these different areas, and the farther you can fall into those oppressed categories of those groups, the more your voice should rise to the top to be able to actually speak truth. And that's what CRT would teach with intersectionality. And intersectionality. So for someone like Terry, I, who's you know, cisgender, male, white, our voice would be towards the bottom. Or someone who is a uh, maybe a black female lesbian, their voice is going to come all the way to the top because they fall into multiple of those groups. They have more truth than I do as a white male cisgender. How do you defend that? I don't know. I mean, it's, this is where it starts getting. It's just where it starts getting. You can no longer take logic and reason. You only have to be able to share your story. It's why one. It's why it's so sometimes challenging to defend this. Is there's no common ground um, to be able to start on this topic. And we're not trying to say that. I don't know. It sounds depressing. There's no way to fix this. Right. <laughs> That's not the case. There's absolutely a way to fix this. And we'll get into the biblical uh, biblical stance on it. Right. And and you know to your point, Jeff, that. They're, just because you're part of a group doesn't necessarily make your voice more important or less important. But it really, what really matters is you know the education you have, the research you've done, you know who you are, and every, everybody has an important opinion on it. So it doesn't, the group doesn't matter, right? Um, yeah. Well, so. I think that's a good point because it actually comes down to um, group identity, right? We no longer have an individual choice. You are defined by the group you're in. I'm defined by a white male cisgender. A person out there, they're going to be defined as a black female or a Asian female or whatever the term, right? 
So your identity and is no longer found within yourself. It's identity. Your identity is found within the group. <coughs> and therefore, how far much you raise in your cultural stance is based upon the group that you are in, not on your individual character. That's what CRT yeah, teaches. And in theory, then, as the groups leveled out, you'd have to figure out a spot to stop all the different opinions, right? So you have to get everybody in the same opinion. So when does the oppressed group all of a sudden become the oppressor group? And now I'm swinging back and forth. It's chaos. So, um, all right. So we are going to do an example, and this is one of the examples CRTs use a lot for like biblical reasoning that it's uh, that Jesus taught CRT, that the Bible teaches CRT. So, on your sheets there is a verse. Uh, if somebody wants to read this for us, that'd be great. Uh, Mark seven twenty-five through thirty. Any volunteers? All right, Carl. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile and a Syrophoenician at birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, Let the child be fed first, for it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs under the table eat children's crumbs. He said to her, For this statement you may go on your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Thank you. So um, CRT is going to state in this verse that Jesus said, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. So what they're going to teach is that Jesus used a racial slur against this woman. He called her a dog, right? And Jeff's going to go into what the meaning of the, the words are, different things like that in, in the Greek and whatnot. But he used a racial slur against them, right? And so this woman called him out and said, yeah, guess what, though? Even the dogs get the scraps under the table. So she kind of pushed back and called him out on his racial slur. Jesus then saw the error of his way, repented, and obviously <laughs> saved the, the, the daughter. Um, and that's what CRT is going to teach about that passage, is that even Jesus had to um, come to grips with these different groups or the different oppressor groups and oppressed groups and whatnot. So um, that's that's the, the concept behind that. And they can say it so impassionately as they talk about it. And that's what you see a lot of times when they start talking about it. This is one of the main verses that they go to to teach that, you know, race, there was racism in the Bible, therefore it's always existed. Remember, everything is racist. Back from the first point we talked about the core tenets, if you don't define it that way, we don't have a starting, they don't have a starting point, right? But this is one of the things they even go back to from a biblical biblical perspective um, um, on it. And this, and uh, Terry, I think, alluded to this a little bit, right? Along with the LGBTQ and this, this is really where we start getting into that really kind of core of what progressive Christianity is. And at some point, we should probably do some sort of class on progressive Christianity because it's, um, it's, it's, it's pretty wild, some of the stuff that's out there. But they really distort all of what's done here in, in market. So let's go into the biblical rebuttal to, to this. So in there, he uses the word dog. Well, in the Bible, there's actually a couple of different places that the word dog is actually used. It's used in this Mark verse and Mark 7. It's also used in Revelation. It's used in uh, Philemon and Matthew. And we're going to talk about Matthew in a second because it's a really kind of a cool point um, that goes with that. Uh, I'm trying to remember the pronunciation for the words here. So uh, the first one up here, and this is the word that is used within this Mark 7 passage. It is... Hunarian. Hunarian. There you go. We spent about 20 minutes last night listening to the YouTube just repeat it over <laughs> and over again as you're trying to figure out how to say these Greek words. Hunarian. Uh, and the next one is uh, Kian. Yeah. But um, when you look at the actual Greek translation, they're very, actually quite um, different uh, words and the context and the uh, clarity in which you're used in. So um, in this Mark passage, it really means puppy, little dog, or, or kind of a pet. It's used in a very kind of light terminology, kind of a fun way. Um, with it. Where most of the other times when you see the word dog, the kian, um, that second word there, it's used in a very, very negative context. Corruption. Miscreant is how it's defined, and it's used in all kinds of other places. In the New Testament, we put a couple of examples up there if you wanted to go um, look at it. <clears throat> so they actually changed the word, the writers of, of this gospel actually changed the word to mean a much more lighthearted form um, of dog. And actually, as we even kind of go down into it, they're not so much referring to race here, 
as they're referring to religion, as Terry alluded to earlier, when you take a look at the Sumerians, uh, at that time in history, they were kind of there, they, they didn't get along, the Jews and Samaritans didn't get along, and it had to do with how they worshipped um, in there. And so a lot of this has everything to do with that Jesus was here for the Jews first, and then the Gentiles, as Pastor mentioned earlier today, this is just a reference into that. It's referencing that whole religion thing. So he's not attacking this woman's race as much as he's attacking her religion in this case. But even as we continue to, to look at that particular verse, she eventually agreed with him. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Someone said that. It kind of means I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I, that's, yeah, absolutely. And then he goes on. Um, to, with, the rest, with the rest of the verse. And so, uh, one thing to call out um, on this is it doesn't show us this in Mark 7, uh, in the passage in Mark 7, but Jesus actually ends up praising her for faith because this story is shared at two different spots in the Gospels. It's actually also shared in Matthew, which I will read. I'll go just to the part um, where this is talking about. Um, and he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Again, this that same word that means pet. Um, she, uh, she said, yes, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Great is your faith. Be it done as you have desired. So we learned something out of the Matthew passage that we didn't learn necessarily in that exact way in Mark. So pause for just a second on CRT. Let's go back to biblical accuracy that we talked about three weeks ago. This is actually called an unintended supporting statement, where we learned something in Matthew that was there that, that wasn't there in Mark. It's actually one of the things that we can go back to and say, you know what, the, the, the gospels weren't just um, they weren't just copied or uh, what was the right word. I my word. They weren't. They just they didn't copy one another. So there wasn't an exact copy from one gospel to the next. Right. right? They all had their various um, versions. But in like this, so while the story is pretty close to the same, we learn something that supports what Mark in Mark's gospel. What that says that that's that's something that's said in Matthew. Right. It's called an unintended. So it's one of the things that we can actually use to prove that the Bible is accurate. That they weren't. That they just didn't copy one another. On it, that there was actually eyewitness statements to me. So, okay, back to CRT. Just wanted to point that out. I think it's just a really cool example from, uh, from that. But so CRT uh, uh, uses this verse to say that Jesus was a racist. This woman called him out on his racism. Jesus repented and then gave her what she asked for. That's the CRT's view on this verse. Now, okay. The actual biblical account, as we have here on the screen, doesn't really necessarily support that. As a matter of fact, they twist a lot of the terms in order to fit it into their narrative. And they only use Mark 7. They never use Matthew 15. Because <laughs> it doesn't support their narrative. Uh, it doesn't support that narrative. It, it just it, it doesn't. So when we start to really contrast how CRT uses the Bible and the actual, the actual Bible says what the actual words mean, if, and this is one of the reasons that we that we should actually study the word and the detail in which we study the word and what's, what's awesome about how pastor brings all of this in to the sermons where he talks about these words is because if someone was new in their faith and they're sitting in the audience where someone is teaching the CRT view on this verse, it can sound pretty convincing. Right? It's one of the dangers. Right? So it's one of the reasons it's important for us to be in the word, really studying it so we can understand the difference when, when attacks like this come up, that there's, that there really is, it's, it's really a twisting of the word, it's a perversion of the word. And I'll just uh, flip a quick table here. <laughs> this sounds all good, but if you are a Christian and you really believe what the Bible says, and you believe what Jesus says, who he was, he was, he was God, he was perfect, and then, and this, then this would just completely contradict that because he obviously wasn't perfect, if he was racist, and he had to figure that out, right? So, I mean, the logic just right out the window there, so. Um, but this is again, like Jeff said, this is kind of how they how they will manipulate uh, the progressive uh, viewpoint manipulates the Bible. So, all right, let's go. Since we're talking about the Bible, three areas that uh, CRT and the Bible conflict. 
And uh, what I'm going to say, a different view of humanity. So what CRT is going to say is that your identity is found in groups, which is what Jeff was talking about, right? The, the uh, uh, intersectionality of the different groups. So what group are you in? That is where your identity is going to be found, right? So which is it's completely crazy when you think about it, um, because God did not create us in groups to, for, to create our identity. In fact, the only group that we really created us in is, is in his image, right? So that's that's the most important thing. Hey, stop here. stealing my lines. Sorry. Um, <laughs> everyone and uh, that yeah, everyone is racist unless you are in an oppressed group. So and the thing I would point out about this is this this is a fallacy by CRT. Everyone is a racist if, unless you're in an oppressed group. So it, basically you're in an oppressor group, which is not true because if you, what it really is is everyone is racist if your ideas or your agenda is not the same as the people that are creating this CRT, right? That's really what it comes down to because they will contradict themselves all the time um, as far as the race groups or um, ethnic groups or uh, sexuality or whatever group they're in. It doesn't matter in the group. If they have the wrong ideas, then they'll be put into the oppressor group. Um, so. So that is actually a fallacy, although that's the way they'll present it. What's Bible say? You know, in a lot of these verses that we're going to put up here, these are ones we either talked on in the last couple of weeks or are pretty prominent verses that we either tend to memorize or know pretty well. But none of these are should be, you know, kind of a shock. These are pretty core tenets, core tenets of the Christian faith. We were all created in God's image. It tells us that in Genesis. And Jesus reiterates that um, in his ministry as well. That's a pretty big deal, right? So we're not created for a color of our skin or for a uh, gender to, to promote an agenda. We were created in God's image by him, for him. Um, and that's laid out in Genesis 1. We're all guilty of sin. I mean, Romans 3.23 is it's one, of the, what, one of the five or six verses that's used in Romans Road. It's one of the main ones that just says we all, we all have sin. It's pretty clear also in John, and, and we can probably find about 12 or 14 other verses probably to back this particular up that we're all guilty of sin internally. Guilty of sin. We're born that way. It has nothing to do with the color of our skin or our gender or our sexuality. We are all born with that. And we all have value. I'm pretty sure it says in John 3.16 that he loved all of the world. <laughs> he didn't just love the white ones. <laughs> he didn't just love the guys, right? It, it doesn't say any of that, right? It says he loved the entire world in them. Um, and so from a biblical perspective, the view of humanity is completely con contradicts how CRT teaches that words completely, your identity is found in these groups. It's not found and our identity as a Christian is found in Christ, right? Not in a not in a in a socioeconomic or social group um, of the CRT states everywhere. All right. So uh, the CRT and the Bible also conflict with a different view of sin, right? Um, and uh, Jeff was just kind of pointing this out, that, and I thought of this. Um, so you're not you're saying you're not guilty because of your skin. You're guilty because of your sin. Right? <laughs> yes, you. So. Put that on a bumper sticker or something. Um, so what CRT says that we're uh, sin is defined by as oppression, right? So if you are an oppressor, then if you are in leadership or you have ideas or you have uh, discipleship or uh, anything kind of correction you would do uh, for, for someone in the, in, the, in the faith or something like that is all considered sin, right? Um, you know, that, that's part of being the oppressor's group. If you're in an oppressed group, um, whatever you do, even if it has to do with uh, jealousy or bitterness or you know trying to um, you know do the activism and different things like that, it doesn't matter what you do, right? We can take a look at just some of the riots that have, have taken place uh, in the last year or so like that. That's all considered righteous because you're in an oppressed group, and so that that's how um, the difference between CRT and, and, and the Bible. The, the CRT is saying it's defined um, by uh, the group that you're in, right? Um, socially defined by external actions, so it's actions based. This is true. This again is. It's kind of a fallacy because it depends on where the action is coming from. We'll see as we get into the salvation side of things that are going to say the exact same statement. Um, just now it applies to salvation instead of sin, right? So again, if you're an oppressed oppressor, your actions are defined as sinful. If you're an oppressed, your actions are going to be defined um, as righteous, right? It actually goes down to it's an actions-based theology at the end of the day. Here's what the Bible says. And again, this is, like I said, all core tenets of the, of the Christian faith. Sin is anything that violates God's design. You find this in Romans 8. Um, objective truth exists. 
both in Colossians and Ephesians, that actually, those couple of verses actually go through a list of things that are, are sinful or wrong. So if the Bible says there's anything that's sinful or wrong, it means we have to have objective truth. And CRT teaches that there's no such thing as objective truth. There's only such thing as narrative. There's only such thing as stories. In the, in, and that's the way that we define, or the CRT, let me step back, that's the way that CRT would define truth is based upon people's stories of being oppressed. That's how you define truth in CRT. The Bible states it's objective. God gave us clear commands and a clear design to follow. And it's spiritually defined by internal nature. We just mentioned this a little bit ago. We are born that way. It's in our hearts, our pride, all of that. Actually, let's take everything else off the table. Let's say we did nothing externally wrong that someone could see. Christianity says just because I have some pride in my heart, that's enough sin to separate me from God. CRT doesn't teach it. It's defined by external action. So it's what you're doing in activism that defines it. All right. So last one we have here is a different view of salvation. And again, CRT is going to say that if you are oppressed, you're not guilty. So you're worthy of salvation. If you're an oppressor group, you're guilty. Right? That's just kind of the bottom line of it, so, which is frustrating. Um, found through social liberation or creating equal uh, outcome equity, right? And um, it's basically a, uh, it's found in your activism, right? Again, this is the statement of, it's based on your, your, your actions, your activism. How are you, what are you doing to, to right the wrongs of the oppressors? Um, and ultimately, this is a moving goalpost. It's, uh, it's shifting sands, right? So because uh, if anybody's followed any news stories or anything like that, you'll see that there are people that that try to do things that are going to, to appease the crowd or appease the angry mob that's, that's fighting for this, this movement, the CRT movement. And usually it doesn't work, right? Usually it's looked at as in the, through the lens of like, well, you're just doing that because you're virtue signaling, you're trying to you're trying to get on the right side of this this cause and, and they're, they're kind of castigated out. Anyway, so and that's the whole shifting goalposts kind of a thing is, is there's no, there's no end to the whole concept of the CRT movement as as an oppressor group. You you can't do enough to be to be saved, right? Um, and ultimately, what it's trying to do is it's trying to destroy the the social constructs that God has set up for us in our life, like the nuclear family, right? The, the concept of a family um, is is under attack, and it always has been under attack because that's the one of the main things God has put in our life um, uh, to to do His will, right? So what does the Bible say? This is, this is the best point. We are all saved by grace. Doesn't matter what street I have to go march on or how much money that I have to give to a certain cause from a CRT perspective. It's a free gift. And all I have to do is ask for it. What a powerful message that we have from the Christian standpoint. It doesn't matter what I have to go do. It matters what Christ does for each of us. I'm sorry, we didn't got clarified who's going to talk about this slide, so that's why Terry's waiting for me to talk. <laughs> These are just resources, uh, which are also on your handouts um, in there. So I'm going to want to point out one thing by uh, Vody Bakken, and he does some really great teaching on critical race theory and homosexuality and some very biblical things. Here's where I'm going to caution you with Vody Bakken. He has kind of turned in the last year or two years where instead of just talking about these issues, he's turned to call out other um, you know, preachers or other people who are talking about this thing directly is almost calling them out. Um, so just as you listen to stuff by Bonnie Bachman, his stuff is amazing. It's why we put it up here. These, I have these videos up here go through a lot of really great content on this subject. Just be wary that sometimes it can come across as, as almost a little bit of a personal attack on certain individuals. Um, so just take that with a grain of salt as you're watching some of his stuff. These videos, actually, there's almost none of that in that we put up here. Just if you're watching other stuff like him that we have a reference, that's what you're going to find. Um, great book up there. Um, that's a really good one. That's actually a newly written book that's only been out in the last year, but goes through these subjects very, very well. Looks at it from a very biblical standpoint. Actually talks about what actual biblical justice is versus what you know critical race theory or what social justice is. He does a very good job of that. And if you wanted a podcast, um, Michael Wigner, 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 Wigner. Um, 
he has some amazing stuff just in general if you haven't subscribed to his podcast. He actually does something every Friday called 20 Questions with Mike where he just fields questions from either members of the congregation or people that call in. He's an, a really great apologist, talks about some really cool things. Um, I highly recommend that listening that. But these are all written down for you um, and that to be able to review. These are also very useful. Something I, one last note I put on my sheet here is, is, is what can we do, right? Because sometimes learning this stuff, you kind of feel frustrated about it because you don't feel like, you know, especially as um, if you're part of an oppressor group, <laughs> you feel like, what can I do, right? And this is really important to, to learn, right? To, to study these resources. Uh, one of the ones uh, I was going to mention, we put it on here, is if, if you're in, interested in a, uh, a historical perspective of somebody who studies, it's called Live Not by Lies. It's by a guy named Rod Drager, D R E H E R. But he went and went over to uh, a lot of the European. Eastern European countries and studied what the effects communism had on some of the people. He, and he interviewed tons of people, um, and he basically he, he separates it based on because that was that was very uh, hardcore communism, and he calls now what's going on. He calls it the soft totalitarianism because it's all about these ideas um, that are infiltrating into our, our societies as almost undercover. Right? We we just we see they're they're construed as this. Um, this thing that's helpful and good, right? Just like we were talking about the, when the teachings and they, they make things sound nice and gives that gives that releases that tension for Christians where where there's tension in some of these different uh, options. So that's a that's a great book for it. But the other thing you can really do is is look for seminars on this stuff and look for um, talks about it and study different uh, podcasts and whatnot. And then um, get involved with uh, your city councils and your school boards and find out when their meetings are. Sit in on them, see what's going on, especially your the school. There's actually resources out there, we'll give, get it to Brent, but where you can review uh, um, curriculum that schools are going to be teaching, right? And then uh, th before they pass it and vote on it, people can give input on what they think about it, right? So it's really important to do that kind of stuff. Even if you don't have school-age kids, if this stuff is being taught all over the Twin Cities. In fact, Minnesota, it's kind of a sad thing, but Minnesota is leading the way with this critical race theory stuff and being taught in schools, um, so get involved with it. And that brings us to, if anybody has any Well, I'm on to a yeah. couple of things there. One, pray for our leadership. This is a big issue in today's culture. We can always pray. Prayer is powerful, right? So do that. The other one you can do is, as we said we weren't going to get political, and I'm going to try to make this as non-political as I can, go vote the right way, or the way that supports our values as a Christian um, as a, from our Christian foundation, things that promote this CRT just do not follow the biblical precepts. How we vote can also throw those. So there are some things that we can do as Christians to, you know, limit the, the spread of some of this really terrible ideology. Those are just a, I mean, a few of the things that I guess I would I just kind of add in here. The things that we, as we can do, prayer being probably on top of that list, especially for our educators and our schools and <coughs> the stuff. I mean the. Uh, I want to say the main uh, teachers union in the entire country just approved CRT as an approved curriculum within the schools. They, they, they well, now that you mentioned prayer, voting, and teachers unions, you're probably going to... I guess that's probably in trouble. So we're trying to just not skip it. Right? From a biblical viewpoint, we want to make sure the right things are being, uh, the right, the right things are being taught, uh, that, are, that are being taught, right, that we're following our Christian foundation. So we're trying not to go down the political bend, but this, the main battlefield with CRT right now is in education. You good with questions or do you have anything else? No, that's not at all. All but enough questions. Sir, I was not confused. I make a mistake that all of us are racist. That's where the press group. So if I am. Don't make me flip the table, man. No, keep going. Ignore him, I'll answer your question. I'm in the press group, so as a white person, I'm racist. Right, but the grouping is ranked based on, on there's this arbitrary um, concept of because historically you can make it look like the, the white population took all the land, they oppressed the slaves, they did all this kind of stuff, and you can kind of make America's history look that way, so therefore you're lumped into this oppressor, the, the worst oppressor group, right? Um, Whereas when you really, if you were to really study history, you would find out that his, historically, it's one group that has power over another group taking their stuff, right? Um, you know, yes, it's true that there was atrocities done in this country where Native Americans suffered. But before uh, the Europeans colonized it, there was 
uh, one Native American community beating up another Native American community, right? And you can go over to Europe before, um, you know, the, the European was a European white uh, Anglo-Saxon societies were established. There was this group of warmongers fighting this group of war people. It was just, that's the way it was, right? Um, so it's just this recent time that we've now said, oh, let's go look at this little bit of history that suits our narrative and then let's lump these people into that group. And that's the frustrating part about it is because, um, you know, as a Christian, you don't want to exhibit racism. You, you, you probably try to do everything you can to, and, and again, that goes back to my original story, is we're taught this stuff growing up. And one of my flip table moments is my little girl who's 12 years old, she'll talk to me about this stuff, whereas she shouldn't even care about it. She shouldn't, she, yeah, we can teach her history, but this shouldn't be, she shouldn't hear about this stuff on the news or in, in passing, all that kind of stuff that, oh, why is this going on? Why, why am I, you know, what, why is this, this information being pushed up that's creating animosity between these groups instead of bringing us together. So. Thank you for your question. Yeah, thank you. That was a great question. Greg. So what do you say? Because we were with friends, and they said, well, we're all racist, and they were another Yeah, that, that is a good question, because if somebody's buying into that, that topic, um, or that they really believe it, then I what do you say? I tried to defend myself, which is maybe not the right thing to do, but well, I would go back to Jeff's questions. Yep. <laughs> Why do you say that? What made you come to that conclusion? And maybe you did that. And then I would really think that you're not going to ever convince somebody, um, just unless they're truly seeking. And so you might just point out resources that you've looked into, and then say, "Hey, do you have any resources or podcasts or anything that you've listened to that have helped you come to this conclusion?" Because I have some that I'd like to share with you, and if you have some, I'd like to hear your viewpoint too. Try to try to be a, make an amicable exchange of information because ideas are powerful, and especially third-party ideas. If I'm trying to convince Jeff of something, it's much harder for me to convince him versus if I can say, "Hey, Jeff, have you heard this podcast?" Because I know that you know not. it's not coming from me. Yeah, it's a third-party source. Brian, uh, I've been to Jamaica many times, and I find democracy in America is the same as democracy is in Jamaica, and they both work beautifully. And Jamaica is 99% black, and America might be 99% white. It, the problem is not democracy, it's in the heart of the individual. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mike. Very true. Yeah, I like to, uh, yeah, no, I used to, well, you know, we're in a place that's pretty secular, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I told the group, you know, there really is only one race, the human race. And God just belongs to different people groups. And you know, I think that is something near that. I also have a, a good Christian friend of mine, and she's black. She's not part of all this. And us, I asked her to go, but she told me, "Yeah, we're all created in the image likeness of God." And I said, "Exactly, yes." I said, "He established that body, and nobody else." I guess what your definition is, he established equality, and nobody else. Yeah, that's, thank you for the story. That, that, that's awesome. So right along that same line that you talk about, um, that's one of the reasons that even religion starts to play into CRT because it's one of the biggest um, things that challenges CRT is the Christian faith. That's why they attack the nuclear family so so much is because even underneath that you know, knowledge, um, the social construct, right? that whole point that we talked about for, for a couple of minutes there, when we look at that, that's why they try to destroy the nuclear families because it's an institution that per, that passes down this this type of information, the correct biblical teaching. That's why they attack the nuclear family so much with with the kind of that Marxist ideology behind it. So thank you. That's a that's a wonderful uh, story. Other questions? So little comment on that question. Um, I like you know when you talk about uh, obviously you're trying to keep it non-political. You want to try and keep it as amicable as possible. Um, I've heard this from a lot of people where they say, well, I just don't get involved in politics because whatever. 
Um, the reality is, is that politics are in every aspect of our life. Um, there is, the policies that are created, the decisions people make, show up in our schools, they show up in our government, in our laws, and everything else. So as much as you might be somebody who says, well, I just don't want to be involved in politics, you have to. Like, you have to educate yourself on you are, whether you have say or not. You have no say in that regardless. Um, and so you're, you're either going to be somebody who just, you know, has to live with how the world is going on around you, or you need to be involved in educating yourself in the right ways, and more importantly, biblically, how that connects. So my question for you guys, and this might put you a little bit on the spot, what, what are good political resources where you can find good information on here's this side and here's this side? So it's not just about, I want to show you, and let's, let's all be honest, it's where's all the conservative people who talk about conservatism? Let me, let me start with this yeah, question. Would you? Finish this. Yeah. Um, when you talk about being political, I think you're exactly right. We all are political. Um, but I would say we should talk about what you're asking offline, unless we want to relinquish our 501c3, and everybody has to pay a lot more in offerings every week to keep the church open. So, um, it's, as, a, as a religious establishment, you're not allowed to to promote or uh, you know any kind of political stance. But I, I, I know exactly what you're saying, and we do have tons of resources um, that we could probably get get a. Or, or we could make the decision just to not publish the Q and A in the yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, within within the video. Let's follow up with your question afterwards when the camera's on. That's okay. I think mean, more so. My question is more for if anybody else needs. I know where to get the resources. Yeah. But we, we, we I'm do. I want people yeah. to know that, that you guys have resources for that and that they can come to you. Absolutely. There are tons of. I, and I agree with what Terry was saying. If we don't get involved in some matter with our belief system, and, and you can say this, so this isn't even a political statement because you, anyone, political, anyone would say this about their own belief system. If I don't go promote my own viewpoint into our political system, I lose my viewpoint at some point. Especially if you're talking from a Christian ideology, which is why when, when you know, Terry mentioned getting involved with you know, the education boards and going to those things, know what's actually being taught out there. That's one of the biggest things, as you mentioned in your uh, you know, story as you started talking, is being able to know what's actually being done so you're educated yourself. We have, we've said this a couple of times, I think, throughout this apologetics uh, classes that we've done here, is one of the main reasons we teach apologetics is not so we can go out there and teach others, but it's so that we ourselves understand what the Bible and what Christ says on these topics so that we have the correct foundation within us so we know that we can stand strong in our faith. Um, schools you're not going to get the, they're not going to teach the the verse we just went through um, they're going to they're going to they don't have to right because they don't have the they don't have the religious side of it in there they're going to teach the core tenets of, of right. intersectionality oppressor versus oppressing um, that kind of stuff um, it's, the, it's the liberal churches that are trying to reconcile how do I how do I maintain my um, congregation by appeasing them based on this out you know because the world the world presents it as such a a, it's that soft totalitarianism, right? It doesn't seem like something you should oppose. Hey, just love everybody, right? Why are we, why are we, uh, you know, we, if all these injustices have done, we should fix this, right? So it's, it's that soft totalitarianism so that they're going to teach, teach it that way. So it seems like uh, part of the, what makes it so confusing is that they use words to mean different things. Mm -hmm. So like the racism, they use it in one sentence to mean the real definition of racism, and on the other side, is just lack of equity. Is that right? So, <laughs> yes, they love to change terms, and those 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 terms change at their will. 
So we could talk about one thing today and three weeks from now, honestly, it could, you could, even when we're looking at these core tenets that we talked about, <laughs> go out there, I mean, if you want something interesting to Google, you'll find three, you'll find five, you'll find seven, you'll find 12, you'll find 14, you know, I mean, they can't even agree on what their own core tenets are, right? <laughs> There's just so many different viewpoints. The five that we share today are ones that kind of go um, um, through everything um, with it. But what was the core of your question? I guess the core of my question is it seems like when they say I'm racist, oh, yeah. in order to disagree with them, you have to first establish with what they mean by the word mm -hmm. racist because they probably don't mean the same thing as what you think they mean. No. Yeah. Right, they do change. They do change the term, and ultimately, when you take CRT at its core, by the definition that you can look out in Webster at the definition of racism, CRT is racist. By the definition, this isn't me taking a political statement. Just by looking at the definition words, CRT, the whole theory of CRT, pits one group against another, generally by skin color, fits the definition of racist. But yes, they change it. Not they say racist because it sounds cool, but it goes back to a point that Terry made earlier, which it really means if you don't agree with their ideology. Yeah, I think that's where you got to pull yourself out of the conversation sometimes and see it from, you know, a third-person perspective and say they're not asking about race or that kind of stuff. They're, what's your ideal ideology? That's really what it's a battle of ideas. That's what it is. Okay, a couple more questions. What was that? Which one of you wants to go first? <laughs> Wrestling, wrestling. <laughs> I'll take uh, the female's uh, question first, as she's a bit more impressed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you, because now I have to edit that out. <laughs> okay, so I'm talking to a friend or a neighbor, someone I want to develop a relationship with, and this stuff is really important to them. Um, social justice. What are ideas that pop in your head? What commonalities? How can I build bridges who really, this is important to them, and maybe I don't agree with this, but of course I don't want to be racist. Of course I want justice. Like, what are some things I see in the Bible and that I have in my viewpoint as a Christian? What, how can I build bridges with someone who this is very important for? You want me to start with that one? And you, you finish up? That's a wonderful question. Thank you for asking it. I mean, all the questions here have been um, uh, great. And they're all, always also challenging sometimes, right? Because sometimes there's no great answer. I was talking with someone right after the LGBTQ last one, and the question was almost impossible to answer. So well, that's sometimes no great way. Um, to go back to something Terry said earlier, we have to have some starting point. In order to actually have a conversation with someone, to be able to gain the ground, we've got to go back to that starting point. CRT gets one thing correct. Ooh, didn't think I'd say that, did you? CRT does get one thing correct. Uh, they recognize there is a problem. Mm -hmm. So when I'm talking, when you're starting to talk with someone, go back to that underlying problem. Okay, well, let's take it all the way back. Where do we see that the problem actually lies? Because there is a problem out there, right? We have all kinds of issues out there in our society. So if we go back to that underlying foundation and say, okay, well, what do you really think the problem is? At least then we have a starting point say, hey, I agree, we have a problem. And now we can start to build off of what that problem is and we can really start to bring in. And then this is where the question comes in, what do you mean by that? And those two questions come in, because that's what's gonna help us guide. It's gonna put us in the driver's seat to be able to get the information that's in, in their minds to be able to actually address the core of what, of, of what they're believing so that we can really hit that heart behind it because we do want them to be hurt. So, I mean, I appreciate that question. Terry, you want to add anything to that? I think it's just listening, building the relationship, and then um, making sure, I mean, I'm assuming this person is being respectful, you know, to your ideas and, and opinions also, um, because if someone's being confrontational, it's, that's a, a healthy way to, uh, obviously. And there comes a point as a Christian, too, that you have to draw a line, and, and but you can do that in a nice way, right? Um, so, yeah, I think listening, developing the relationships, and being able to share resources, because um, you've got to get new information New information is what creates new ideas. So, but it takes time. There's no magic wand. I wish we had a little dusty. <laughs> change people's opinion, but it doesn't work. Is it, is it, isn't that what the Jedi do? Well, the problem is someone else would have the other kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so where, where, where is it? Because I feel the tension as a Christian that I don't agree with this as a mindset, but I see people who are so ready to argue about it mm -hmm. that they're winning maybe a logic battle, but this person's never going to talk to them. Right. You've That's, lost this chance to connect, and like, how do we keep that there? In, in sales, there's a term that says, he who speaks first loses, mm -hmm. right? And so if you can 
learn to listen more than you try to argue your point, um, the other person will yeah, eventually. If the first person who breaks the silence loses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Generally speaking. I think you made it very clear about one's own personal relationship. How do I say this? I don't go up looking to witness people. That's probably offensive or a question to believe. I think we've got to remember who does the calling. Mm -hmm. It's the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. We've got to remember who does the convicting. It's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We've got to remember who does the revealing. It's the Holy Spirit. So I think it's critically important for me to understand and praise God for my position and understanding of his love and in teaching. I gotta be very careful not to try to take the Holy Spirit's place. He'll handle whatever I say, he'll handle and make it work. I don't have to be figuring out not how to answer this question. I did it great mm -hmm. for this kind of a teaching force. I really appreciate you guys doing it. But I don't want us to get to the place when a question is asked. The first thing I do is say, go to my room. Am I right? I first want to say, I want to know what this says, not what I've learned elsewhere. If I know what this says and can share that, God will take care of that person. Yeah. And he may not even choose that this is the time for that person to make that decision. I don't know. Yeah. But I think that's what I've got to be careful of, that I don't come out of a teaching which is very good with all the answers. Yeah, yeah. that is a fantastic point. We don't have all the answers. <laughs> As these topics uh, will you know, clearly show, there's so much on that. But thank you for your, your comments. I agree. The Holy Spirit is the one that absolutely convicts. And it's, it's, a, it's our job a lot of times to be that messenger for him and whatever it is. So thank you for your comment. You were right on board. Did you still have another question? Uh, that's actually pretty much the same. Was that okay? <laughs> one or maybe two more questions. We are five, almost ten minutes over here. <laughs> I think we're good. I think that's enough. Well, thank you guys. Um, we love sharing these last, uh, you know, three um, sessions. Uh, I mean, they appreciate it.